Listening Dog Media. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Athletic. Hello, a happy new year and welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay and alongside me, ready and raring to go for our first show of 2022, it's Sky Sports News legend, I'm calling you today, Hayley McQueen. Hi Hayley. Wow, is that because it's another year, another year older, more experienced? Yeah, I'm led to, great, thanks, yes. thanks for that. See, they, they say the word legend is overused in football no. terms. no. 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 Piping up just there, joining myself and Hayley today. As usual, we've got the brilliant Lindsay Hooper. How are you, Hoops? I'm good. I'm I'm a survivor like yourself, Kate. <laughs> I'm a, You're a survivor. survivor. We are survivors. Um, in fact, we probably aren't survivors, are we? Because we haven't been through anything to survive it. Um, I suppose that the true survivor is the member of this trio who got an early Christmas present, didn't you, Hayley McQueen? Oh, God. Well, I tested positive for covid on Christmas Eve, that's right. I had done my Sky Sports news shift. It felt a bit ropey for a couple of days, but only had mild cold symptoms and none of the symptoms listed on the NHS symptoms list of COVID. But I mean, that's a lot of nonsense anyway. So I was what doing my I lateral flows. What did I say to you, Hayley McQueen, about you one did. in every two people with a, with, a, with a cold has got COVID? I know, so lateral flow, negative, negative. Saturday, didn't feel great at all, had a can of Coke Zero to pick me up, couldn't bloody taste it, could I? Suddenly knew that something was something was amiss. And yeah, by 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve, I had my big fat positive result. And I went downhill from there, couldn't taste my Christmas dinner, which might have been a good thing because I cooked it. Now you might remember on a previous podcast episode, I had the in-laws staying with me. They've been with us since the 4th of December. They were going to stay for a whole month, but COVID meant, unfortunately, so <laughs> tragically, they had to leave early. They left Are you sure you didn't try and get early this? Early in the morning. <laughs> well, it's I mean, they're, they're, they're safe of it. They didn't get COVID, so we managed to contain that. But now I've had COVID, I feel like I am super immune. 
There you go. Well, you're sounding great anyway. I know you um, had a really heavy cold as well before all this or during all this. Yeah. So uh, it's um, it is glad to have you back with us. In the, in, in the meantime, uh, Lindsay and I have still got our COVID safe shield around us, haven't we, Hoops? Mm. For now, despite your partner mm. getting COVID as well, Lindsay. So you've literally I, been I've surrounded been living, by it. Yeah. For the last week, I've been living with two people who've had it. <laughs> and every day I test and I'm negative every day got that shield like you say Kate yeah who knows um well of course Covid did curtail a, a little bit of football over the mm -hmm. festive period as well but luckily we still got to enjoy plenty of action can I tell you my proudest moment just briefly as I'm now going to call myself a soccer mom because uh, my youngest Arthur oh. is has just suddenly got really into football this last six months um the other night he was messing around in his bedroom due due to go to school the next day and it's that thing of where children basically can't get them into bed before they're due to go to school the next day for the first time back and um he, and he was messing around i could hear blue tack being um obtained from the kitchen drawer downstairs mm -hmm. and he went off to bed and then i went in about half an hour later and he was asleep and he'd he basically blue tacked hangers with a football shirt on them to his bedroom wall so his bedroom oh. now looks like a dressing room. He's got his Liverpool shirt, he's got oh. an England shirt, and he's just got oh. a plain blue football shirt there. And then last night he did a picture because he's, he's having a big dilemma about which clubs he plays for. He did ask me if he could play for France the other day and I had to say, no, it's only England, unfortunately, because <laughs> he doesn't qualify for anyone else, which he was a bit upset about. But it was super, super sweet. Um, anyway, I hope both of you had a lovely Christmas and uh, a good new year and a happy new year to all our listeners as well. If you would like to subscribe uh, to this um, so far very chatty podcast, you can do so on your favourite podcasting app. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and the same on Instagram. And don't forget our website as well for freshly written content every week, offsiderulepodcast.com. Coming up on the show, Cristiano Ronaldo has been ridiculed in the past few days for a New Year's Day post about his goal-scoring exploits in 2021. Um, surely it has to be a Mickey tape. We'll discuss more later, um, but we are going to tie that into worst or most misjudged social media posts from footballers. And with Kieran Trippier having concluded an unlikely switch to Newcastle from Atletico Madrid, uh, we're going to discuss transfers that we never saw coming. But first, with the market now open that transfer window ready for business as is the rumour mill that's been going a plenty hasn't it since uh, the start of the year we're going to analyse which team needs what in the January sales January transfer window is upon us, gives lots of clubs the opportunity to arrest their poor form or secure a signing maybe to push them up the table. Let's talk about then Hayley and Lindsay, uh, some of the major things that we expect might happen this January. What does each team need and who might be the player to fix those issues? Who wants to get us started? Hayley. Okay, Christ almighty, Newcastle, they're going to need a miracle or... Saudi billionaire owners, guess what? They've got one of them, but I still think they might need a miracle. I actually really think for a side that's only won one of their 19 league games, they are gonna need a whole host of players. I think they need to almost build a whole new team. But interestingly, we now know that Kieran Trippier is on, of course, the brink of becoming, I guess, the first signing of, of this new Saudi era. Not only do I think that's a great signing for the club, I think tactically, 
to help with other players see Newcastle as actually um, a great club to go to and want to play with players like Kieran Trippier. Maybe some would be thinking, okay, I could go and sign for Newcastle United. What am I going to achieve there? What am I going to win? I'll just go for the money. Other players not necessarily thinking that way, thinking I want to go and play for the football and it's not about the money. I do definitely think Kieran Trippier will pave the way for other players to go and join Newcastle. Well, he is an England international, Haley. so I think you've got a point there. I think there are a lot of people that have sat up and gone, oh, you know, Trippier's gone there. Maybe we can then approach such and such, such and such, such and yeah, such. Yeah, he does, he does set a standard. Yeah, there, there's a web, isn't there, in football as well when it comes to agents as well and it can open out other deals. I mean, at the moment, the thing that's really made me smile is is this latest rumour that Luca Dina from, from Everton, who clearly wants a move away, and I'm sure some of us will bring him up again for other teams, but the fact that they're trying to throw in Sean Long stuff as well, and some of the yeah, social media the around that. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's funny. Some of the social media, if you have a look, of um, Sean Longstaff begrudgingly leaving Newcastle, being <laughs> dragged. They're also talking about Burnley defender James Tukowski as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's an England international. So you could, if you play it right, you know, develop a nice hub of players there. There are some other people linked as well, Obama Yang, Usman Dembele as well. I mean, do they seem too fantastical or do Newcastle, Hayley, now have the ability because of the cash, to sign some of these people. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I think they're going to attract players who are going to want to play regular football, if that's not what they're already achieving at a club they're at. Particularly, like you say, with players who may be looking to play more regularly with their country, whether it be England or or another international club ahead of a World Cup. There'll be players who'll be wanting game time as well for the second half of the season, obviously with us having that Winter World Cup. So I think there'll be people making a move tactically because of that but it does seem a bit of a scattergun approach because there are just a ton of random names random position it's not like oh they need a striker a central midfielder and maybe a left back and a center back it's like anyone goes basically they could they could basically sign 11 new players and start them all financial fair play of course comes into this as well but that might be where they look at kind of loan deals and try and be a little bit clever it's also really really tricky to try and do this kind of business well in january i think we know that historically don't we you just don't get these top players in january you um but Newcastle need some experience in their team and they need to shore up their defense because at the end of the day This is going to be, I think this is the club that needs the January transfer window more than any if they're to survive in the Premier League. And if they don't, I think it'll be an absolute travesty. Due to COVID as well, they have had a couple of fixtures postponed, which I know other clubs who are also in that relegation fight were not impressed by. They've managed to have these fixtures moved after when the windows open. And yeah, tactically, this could work for them, couldn't it? If they they manage to get these players clicking really well straight away, they could make up those those, uh, games in hand with with some crucial points. I think it would annoy a few people towards the bottom of the table. Clint, what about you? Have you identified a club that needs to secure business? Yeah, well, I, I was thinking about West Ham just because of the position they're in, fifth place in the league. They are that team this season that outside the traditional big six are really going for it. And it's like, how can they cement that? How can they go a step further? So I've got some suggestions, but I've also got a word of warning. Um, a broadcaster that I know that you really love, Kate, is Tim Vickery. And West Ham are being 
really strongly linked with Barbosa from Flamengo. But he had some words of caution. I heard one of his updates. I think this would be a really bad move. He is a very difficult player to bed into a squad. He's had a couple of spells in Europe before. It didn't go well. He is huge in Brazil. And just to coin some some bits that Tim was saying, you know, in Brazil, he is the man. But when he's not the man, he can be really quite destructive in a dressing room. Um, He also has diva-like tendencies, if we're going to use that phrase. Um, (laughs) And and all of this is there for people to go and research. But if you're West Ham, do you want to risk when you're fifth in the league, bringing in a player that could upset the dressing room? Um, and, And I think he could be that. So I say don't sign him. Instead, I do realise that there is backup needed. Antonio on his own can't just be relied on. And then we've got other other issues at play with not only AFCOM, but you've, you've got injuries at the moment as well. I think maybe someone like Martial on loan from Manchester United mm-hmm. would be a good fit for West Ham, as well as Jesse Lingard. I mean, if they could get those two deals over the line, we already know what Jesse can do for the team. And then outside of that, uh, if they could really throw money at it, which I don't know whether... West Ham ever would do but seeming as it's just a small move across London and he's not going to get any game time I think Aubameyang on loan just Mm. until the end of the season could be a big big move they would have to have help with the wages there's no doubt but Mm. would Arsenal be able to do that if it meant they could split the load and get him out of of the club it it could happen and the other one that I've identified is Alexander Mitrovic um for Fulham in the championship they probably with their own mission at the moment wouldn't want to let him go but we we know that he knows the Premier League he is that sort of striker that I think could fit in and in terms of a winger attacker and I'm sure loads of clubs will be thinking like who could benefit from Philippe Coutinho but there is a move there to be had he is ready and primed to leave Barcelona someone can get Philippe Coutinho as well Aston Villa has strongly been been linked could West Ham be a club that if they didn't get Jesse Lingard you go down the Philippe Coutinho route? Coutinho's tricky, isn't he? Because it depends yeah. about the cost attached to him. We all know that he was brilliant in the Premier League, but he's struggled so much for Barcelona. It makes you wonder what kind of player mm. is coming back. Yeah. Um, you know, Liverpool and Everton have both been linked with him as well. Um, Villa, obviously, there's that connection with, mm. with Gerard, isn't there? Uh, former, mm. um, former teammates. But um, for me, it's really, uh, yes, I'd welcome Coutinho coming back, but it's... I think you've got to do it very, very carefully because I can't automatically see him fitting in anywhere. You could maybe slot him in at Spurs, but then is he an Antonio Conte type of player? Mm. Perhaps not. And actually, is he at the moment good enough or playing consistently enough to sign for a top six side, the sides that can afford to buy him? Actually, probably not. So then you look lower down the league, as we were mentioning, Aston Villa. And as much as Steven Gerrard, I'm sure, could probably just pick up the phone and have a little chat with him and talk him into going there and linking back up with him. And I'm sure he'd love that. And he obviously knows how, how Gerrard works. And Villa would be wonderful for Aston Villa fans to have Coutinho there. You just wonder how much money they're going to have to splurge. If you're using that money on one player, it, it, it stops you from, from being able to sort of spread that cost maybe across a couple of, of signings? Do you just go all in on one? I think if there's any club at the moment that really could survive by just making one stellar signing, it probably is Aston Villa. Mm. You know, they lost the big player in Jack Grealish and, and bought a few in his place. They bought three, didn't they, to make up with, with that money. They could just buy one. 
And I mean, they're doing pretty well under Gerard at the moment. So they could they could survive with that. There are other teams, and one that I'm going to bring up now, which genuinely need so many players. Leicester being one. I mean, oh, Leicester are just ravaged, aren't they, by injuries, by uh, out-of-form players as well. Some players that they brought in that maybe haven't worked as well as they, they hope, certainly in defence. And you look at that list... And the problem is, if they buy too many players outright, they end up having too many players when the players from that are injured come back. So I think Leicester need to go big in the loan business. And if there is any window where you do loans more than any other, it is in January. So mm. someone like um, Callum Chambers, I know that Arsenal are open to him being available on loan or Pablo Mari, a couple of defenders. Mm. Maybe they could go for one of those on loan until the end of the season. They, they need some reinforcements, but they also don't want to get into a financial position whereby they have all these wages to pay for when yeah. everybody comes back. Another team that desperately needs personnel, or they desperately need something, is Everton, isn't it? 15th in the Premier League. Uh, we don't know how long Rafa Benitez is going to be there. And is it a Benitez issue or is it a player issue? And actually, how much budget is he going to be given? We know that Everton were hamstrung, weren't they, going into the season because they were really close to that threshold of breaching the financial fair play rules, which is why you know they, they had made so many little signings this summer so they do have more to play with now um Benitez has already um made a move um and secured two players Michaelenko from Kiev and Glasgow Rangers Nathan Patterson as well for 11 million so it started already but he's going to need more than those two players where do we look at um for Everton and and actually if you were Everton how much would you spend bearing in mind that Rafa Benitez is still Still got a question mark hanging over him, really, as to how long he's going to be at the club. That also brings up the Lucadinha issue, whereby yes. they've fallen out. And, and I think that needs exploring further, because Lucadinha, in terms of Everton fans, is, I would say, a player mm -hmm. that has been very well-liked. You know, for, I just think with Rafa, the writing is sort of becoming on the wall, because... Not only was he an, un an unpopular choice to begin with, he's now falling out with popular players. With players. Yeah, I am, yeah. and I, I don't understand why that would have happened. I, I'm not, I'm not privy to the information behind that or why Lucadinha though will offer someone a lot. So I, I imagine there will be a move for him this January, um, and then without him, who are they, who are they going to get to replace Dinha? They need someone mm. that can provide the sorts of delivery that he did and get assists the way that he did. I know that he's been a bit below par um, in recent times, but if he starts firing like like he used to, he's a very difficult player in terms of numbers. Yeah, to attacking options are you know definitely needed at Everton as well. Um, Iwobi is going to be away with Nigeria uh, for Afcon. We know that Calvert Lewin and Richarlison have suffered injuries. Andros Townsend too. There's also rumours about a return for Ross Barkley as well. He was on loan at Aston Villa, wasn't he? Yeah. But Chelsea set to part with him. I so could he offer that. something to Everton or elsewhere? And I, I was really shocked to find that they were actually linked with Coutinho as well. So not only would you have the former Liverpool manager managing Everton, can you really see Coutinho heading back to Merseyside and playing for Everton? I don't think so. <laughs> Uh, where else have we got? Has anyone else uh, perhaps got some ideas? I was going to touch on Manchester United briefly as well. They're going to need a replacement right back, aren't they? Aaron Wan-Bissaka just 
and not looking great at all. His crossing is terrible. We saw that against Wolves, didn't we, Lindsay, as well? And so that we area did, didn't we, Haley? We did. We, yeah. <laughs> that Don't area needs to be there. addressed, <laughs> and and also Rangnick as well. You know, uh, apparently he's got problems in the dressing room there. So lots of rumours. You know, again, yeah. Pochettino is the favourite. Um, at the end of the season to take over at Manchester United. I guess my question would be, do they just try and hang on until the end of the season? Um, or Maybe is there more that needs to be done? So they brought in Ranić. So they've had a softly, softly approach with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Mm-hmm. And that would have been the okay. same with Carrick when he was in temporary charge. It's like that arm around the players, um, let them sort of get away with a bit too much, you know, in comparison to Ferguson years. Then you bring in Ranić, who's sort of, more along the lines of Fergie. He's, he's mm-hmm. mixing things up, ruffling feathers. Is that all part of the ploy to then bring in Pochettino, who again is a bit more arm round the, the shoulder so that they have they have this horrible bit of the season now until until May and then Pochettino comes in and they get back. I don't understand. I don't understand why you would flip between the two unless there's a, a bigger picture at play. It's just all a bit of a mess, isn't it? Everything is just temporary, and that's what I don't like. The Ronaldo coming back, just a bit of a temporary fix that hasn't fixed anything. Ralph Ranić, all very temporary. Um, the one thing they don't need is to bring in blooming loan signings in January. I think they just need to look ahead. I don't think they'll do too much in January. I think, unfortunately, all the talk of Erland Harland, who I love to have seen at Manchester United, isn't going to happen. I think City will go in for him in the summer. I do think maybe Manchester United... Um, could sign Declan Rice. I think fans are desperate for United to splash the cash and and try and get him from from West Ham. He's going to cost them a fair bit, however. So is this going to be an exercise then, Hayley, in January, whereby Mm. they offload, get the money in, ready for the summer, where we know that better purchases usually can be made? Exactly that. With with a manager who can build his own team. But yes, I... I think to me, it sounds like they're going to have a bit more of a clear out as opposed to bringing players in and look at the wages they are having to pay at the moment with some of their big names right now. I mean, that is it's it's a hell of a lot of money. All right. Well, let's round it up there. I'm not sure we've got to the bottom of much there other than to say there is work for teams to be done. But just how much is worth doing during this period? transfers then or continue this conversation with surprise transfers inspired by Kieran Trippier completing uh, his much talked about move to Newcastle mm-hmm. United from Atletico Madrid. In May 2021 Trippier won La Liga with Atleti and went on to feature five times for England at Euro 2020 but if we move forward uh, to January 2022 and where we are now he is representing a club or going to represent a club that have 11 points after 19 games so a surprising move but he has the chance of course to make a big difference what other surprising moves can we mention can we list for the last few years Haley, have you got one I just want to talk and go back to the days when Middlesbrough were the mighty Middlesbrough at the Riverside under Brian Robson we, and I've still not seen the Robbo documentary yet which I'm desperate to see as well so if anyone's seen it tweet me let me know how it is apparently I appear in it for all of two seconds so I was quite quite happy about that yeah finally made it onto the uh, big screen of Netflix or is it on Amazon not too sure whichever (laughs) one it's on Um, I just want to take you back to Middlesbrough and the fact that they managed to sign Fabrizio Ravinelli 
um, and bring him to Teesside. I don't think he knew really what on earth he was getting, you know, into there or where the hell he was moving to. But he, he was he was promised football at the top level in England and it brought him to Borough. He just won a Champions League winner's medal in Rome. Um, he was playing for Juventus, who were giants at the time. He was obviously playing for his country as well. He was an international superstar. He scored a hat-trick on his debut against Liverpool. I remember it because I was there. It did end in disappointment. He did manage to go away with two cup finals. He got to two cup finals, I should say, uh, lost both of them and Middlesbrough were then relegated. So I think if you'd have maybe told him what he was in for before he joined Middlesbrough, he might not have come to the northeast. But he was great to have around. He lived a couple of doors up from my parents. And as I've mentioned on podcasts before, I earned a lot of money babysitting for him back in the day. It was the first time I'd ever seen a £50 <laughs> note. Can you imagine a 15-year-old? Oh, wow being handed a 50 pound note for sitting in a mansion looking after a child. Wow. Absolutely brilliant. I wow. love it. There we go. If we're going to look at the ones, the best of all time, let me jump in here then, Kate, because you've got to, you've got to say in terms of transfers that no one was expecting that Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascherano, when they turned up at West Ham oh, wow. in 2006, was one of the occasions when everyone, I can't remember a journalist, I was just newly working in football at that time, I just started in the industry, and I can't remember anyone knew, knowing that that was gonna happen, including Alan Pardew, who was the manager at the time, mm. because he had asked uh, the chairman for money to get James Milner, and then ended up with uh, Carlos <laughs> Tevez in Toronto. Um, they, of course, were plucked from Corinthians. They didn't have too long at the club, but what Carlos Tevez did do, and West Ham fans will always remember, is he scored the goal uh, that secured them Premier League safety, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, a fantastic pair of signings. Um, slight, slight questions about how they arrived and some of the paperwork behind it, but, <laughs> yeah. but we'll move on quickly from that. You know, I, I mean, again, just quickly, uh, an all-time one which caused such controversy and which, you know, gen, you know, genuinely had uh, reporters getting in their cars, going from one side of London mm. to the other was the, well, not even from one side of London to the other, really was the Sol Campbell move from Tottenham to Arsenal as well. It had been muted, but it, it really came as a complete surprise to everyone, the way he was unveiled uh, and, and everything else. But I'll only drop that in briefly. You know, Linz, when I was um, looking at this earlier and looking for recent examples, Diogo Jota as well, you know, moving to Liverpool, certainly came pretty much mm. out of the blue for me. I don't know what it, what it was like from uh, a Wolves perspective, but we definitely... Um, summer of last year, been summer of the year before even, we're in 2022, been fairly quiet up to that point. And, you know, suddenly here we are with this with this fantastic signing, 45 million, but only, you know, an initial outlay of 30 million. Um, for us, I thought it was a great catch, but, but I don't know about mm. the perspective from a Wolves fan. I think from a Wolves perspective, there were rumblings that someone was going to go of what I would call the main skeleton of the squad so there, there were players that we didn't want to go I remember I remember being on forums and things like that looking and people were like well we can't afford to lose Neves so whoever it is you know as long as it's not Neves and Jimenez at the time and so when Jota was announced because 
as a Wolves fan, what I can say is he went on patches with us. So he had a period mm. whereby he would score quite a few goals and then he would be absent for a while and then he'd come back. Um, there is no denying that the way he linked up with Jimenez is something that we've hugely missed. But would he have scored the amount of goals that he has at Liverpool for us, given the way that we've been playing? I don't think he would. And there were quite a lot of Wolves fans that were happy for him to go. I do think he was cheap. I know that you say 45 million, but we had um, Hoover, didn't we, come the other way? Yeah, going the other way. So, so yeah. it basically only cost Liverpool 30 million quid. And when you think about, and, you know, obviously you can't always nail on these these kind of stats, but he's he's just fitted so well into Liverpool, 25 goals, three assists in 54 games. So for us, it was a great piece of business. It certainly was. Mm. Um, Hayley, what else do you have? Yeah, this is this is one that Doogie reminded me of um, in prep for this. And it was one that I was on air for. It was the first transfer window I'd had um, with Sky Sports News upon my return to the channel in 2011. And it was deadline day and it was one that shocked everybody. Um, Liverpool mm. accepting a £50 million bid from Chelsea for Fernando Torres. Now, this move meant that another player came to Liverpool, who I'll mention in just a moment, but this was shocking because he'd actually handed in a transfer request, ended up becoming um, a new British record, um, but he'd been absolutely sublime for Liverpool. No one really thought that he was going anywhere, especially not to Chelsea when they were, you know, up there battling it yeah, out. But he wanted to go to uh, a club that he perceived was a better club, didn't he? He wanted to win silverware. Yeah, obviously with Liverpool um, winning all the silverware after he left, um, he did manage to win silverware with uh, Chelsea, but never quite hit the same heights. Yes, he managed to play in the Champions League. Yes, he won an FA Cup, but he, he didn't quite go down uh, as a legend with the club. There was actually, I felt a countdown at one point with every game that went by that he didn't score. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do yes. remember it that. It was a terrible move for him. I remember it was like, oh, he's got the yips. Do you remember? You know, like a kind of... I don't know if the they just used in golfing terms, but it's like, and so much pressure was put on him. I remember every single week, it was like, how many more minutes? How many more minutes? And I'm pretty sure we had a countdown clock. So the poor guy, if he had <laughs> oh, Sky Sports my word, News on, really? uh, like that pressure on him That's as well. Really nice. The one thing it did do, though, was give Liverpool money to go and buy players. And one of those, of course, was Luis Suarez who, well, we all know what happened with Suarez at Liverpool, one of one of, one of of your best buys, mm. you'd have to say, um, Kate. So I guess Torres paved the way for, for the likes of him and Andy Carroll as well came and, and, and signed for Liverpool too. But I think, yeah, it was definitely Suarez um, <laughs> that, 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 that set them alight. Not Andy, I mean, Andy Carroll, we could we could have a whole podcast on yes. Andy Carroll and, was and that transfers, last, couldn't last we? dramatic end of the transfer window <laughs> signing, wasn't he? Uh, Andy mm. Carroll, so you could say that he was something of a surprise. He shocked he us recently. Do you remember I told you on a recent show and you were like, what? I was like, he's just joined Still Reading. Football. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th there are plenty of stories. Um, merging both our topic one and this one, I think this is a perfect player to do that with, is Aaron Ramsey. Because mm -hmm. it was such a surprise when he went to Juventus. I think lots of people saw him leaving yeah. Arsenal. He was ready to go. But when Juventus came calling, people were like, wow, he secured a brilliant move there. And I think a lot of that was to do with the Euros as well and Wales doing so well. And he'd been one of the shining lights, hadn't he? So it got a lot of Europe's attention. But right now, he's due to do a move the other way, back to the Premier League, potentially. 
Mm, okay, well, let's wrap that up just there. Before we go on to topic three, quick reminder that you can access the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, myself and Lindsay, joined by Scotland and Arsenal legend Kim Little on the episode this week. It's an in-depth chat with Kim. She was brilliant, wasn't she, Linz? Mm, yeah, I really enjoyed speaking to her and she's quite a shy character. So we were trying to just get a little bit out of her in terms of where she grew up. And yeah, she, she was brilliant. She was really, really good. Yeah, she was really open in the end with us and we thoroughly enjoyed speaking to her. I think, you know, safe to say one of the most technically gifted players of this Women's Super League generation. Kim Little, available to download via the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Okay, so worst footballer post. This is our topic three. 2022 got off to a hilarious start, didn't it? I don't know if he thought it was hilarious. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's Instagram post, which celebrated the new year, saying 2021 is coming to an end and it was far from an easy year, despite my 47 goals scored across all competitions. Thank you very much, Cristiano Ronaldo. Surely that was a Vicky take. I don't know. I'm still undecided uh, as to whether it was or whether it was just really off the mark in the middle of a pandemic when people are seriously ill and dying from COVID. What did we think, ladies? Lindsay, a bit of bit of a joke from Cristiano there? <laughs> I don't know. I think you can't really make jokes on written platforms because people interpret different tones of voice, don't mm-hmm. they? So, yeah, it, it wasn't the best judged, I would say. No, he was sat, wasn't he? Surrounded by all of his family. Anyway, it got us thinking about when footballers get it wrong on social media, either trying to be funny and not being funny or just basically missing the mark completely. There are a few famous examples. We've tried to dig out some of our own. Hayley, what have you got? Twitter now is just for us in the media and and sports people and and, and football people, isn't it? I talk to a lot of people and they don't even really use Twitter anymore. But I remember when Twitter was all the rage, when Ryan Barbell was tweeting uh, a picture of Howard Webb in a Manchester United shirt because he was basically saying that after it was a 1-0 defeat for Liverpool to Manchester United back in the days when Man United beat teams and beat big teams as well um <laughs> very long know. long 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 time ago he was he was he was a bit critical of Howard Webb and and was pointing the finger at him for basically making sure that decisions he felt went in favor of of United and he put a caption up along with this this picture saying and they call him one of the best referees that's a joke (gasps) so for his comments which were retweeted and actually liked tens of thousands of times had a regulatory commission who basically sat down had a meeting decided that he can't do that and find him £10,000. Ashley Cole was fined £90,000. I think that might be one of the harshest penalties when he'd written some abuse about the FA and actually had to go and uh, issue a personal apology to the FA chairman at the time, who was David Bernstein. He wrote on um, on Twitter and it was, uh, I'm not gonna get into this too much, but it was, it was around the John Terry racism case and it was following the FA's uh, judgment as to what Terry had or hadn't said. And Ashley Cole was like, ha ha ha, well done the FA. I lied, did I? Bunch of, and then called them an expletive. Yeah. And he then had to pay 90,000 pounds after he admitted that he did actually write that and, and post it. And it wasn't somebody else looking after his account, which seems to be a bit of a problem, doesn't it? Other people. 
people looking after footballers' accounts. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I've got some of these, Hayley. I, honestly, if we want a laugh to start 2022, um, we need look no further than a couple of footballers currently still playing. So Christian Benteke, um, mm -hmm. when he signed for Crystal Palace ahead of 2016-17, that season, he accidentally put Burnley How in his can Twitter you? bio. How can so, you do that? And, and Doogie, who does uh, the producing of this show, managed to find the screen grab of this. Um, and it was under his account, Burnley, which wasn't even um, spelt right. correctly because it had an extra L on the end, and Belgium um, underneath. And he, his location even said Burnley, Burnley, England. Maybe he was just in Burnley for, for whatever reason That's that time. But yeah, it was strange. Crystal Palace that he joined. So that was quite funny. And another one in recent memory was on Instagram, <laughs> poor Joe Hart. I mean, sometimes he's at the center oh. of a, a few things, isn't he? And this was a howler on social media rather than of the, the goalkeeping type. He put job done on an Instagram feed. Now, this is clearly some people working for him, but this was when Spurs had thrown away a 2-0 first leg lead to Dinamo Zagreb and they ended up losing 3-2 on aggregate and then Joe Hart put it down to a typo because job done clearly wasn't. Oh dear. Um, oh talking of, um, well, spelling mistakes, if we're to look at that Burnley example, um, Sebastian Bassong, when he was at Norwich, tweeted after they'd won, it started, started so well. He said, massive three points today. We were really solid. Great shift from all of us. Thanks for the support. Hashtag clean SHIT. Uh, it was going so well. <laughs> for him oh. until the last moment of that tweet and another one when Balotelli was at Liverpool he basically bought a pig a piglet and he put a post up mm -hmm. saying finally my little pig arrived she's only two months old is a she but I call her super which I presume was super after Super Mario or maybe he got his spelling wrong maybe it should have been supper okay. uh, I don't know oh um, hopefully he didn't call her supper the poor little micro pig <laughs> he oh. then had a bit of a kind of a bit of a meltdown and said in his next post actually I can't find the willy so I think it's a she but it may be a he so he had a whole debate on Twitter oh. as to whether his new piglet was a he or a she uh, because he couldn't find the willy, which all of us uh, were spectators to. Thank you very much for that. I you were Mario, say which we all of us that. have been there. <laughs> no, we haven't. No, we haven't. What else have you got? I'm sure there's so many examples of this, but I've picked on Victor Anichebe because um, he'd clearly sent a message to his PR people for social media saying, can you tweet something like, and then the statement was something along the lines of unbelievable support yesterday, da, da, da. Um, but they actually posted, can you tweet something like at the top of it? Um, so it's clearly just copy and paste. That has to have happened a few times. I mean, this mm -hmm. one was well known, but there must be more. I love this one just because it's quite sweet and funny. Romelu Lukaku had had tweeted, um, this was back in 2013, just had some kids doing trick or treat at my door. It's the first time it's happened in my life. Ha, 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 ha. So he obviously answered the door and they, and they did some little tricks and asked for sweets. And then the uh, FIFA.com from the official account replied and said, what did you do, Rom? Then he said, FIFA.com, well, I gave them Kit Kats. <laughs> So he got into his kitchen, found a bag of Kit Kats just and them. just decided to hand them out. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> random. You know, when you just said, I've got to pick something up that you just said, because I feel like I might have been shortchanged. Did, do trick and treaters actually do tricks? Because oh, they, they should just, do. They are meant oh, to. I don't well, they just... to make us tell a joke or something. No. Yeah. 
Well, I've been yeah. missing that because usually my doorbell goes and that's it. They just get sweets. Mm-hmm. Well, you just get sweets because you want to avoid it. Um, I remember when we were young, we had these two really naughty boys for neighbours. And my mum stupidly said trick because I haven't got anything to give you. And they put a load of uh, like like a bag of flour all over our front hall. Like I remember my mum just like, what the hell? There's flour everywhere as it looked like some kind of... I don't know, weird bakery explosion. Talking about getting it wrong, uh, Michael Owen had an absolute blinder a few oh. years ago. He'd been off on a run. Recently, and, recently uh, as well. Mm. He's in the mass Singer, isn't he? He is. Yes. He is in the mass Singer. Oh, I can tell oh, I his voice know. straight away. Know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. here is one of his blips on social media, uh, just getting it wrong, basically. Um, he'd been off for a morning run, come back, been very excited, chipper, full of beans and decided to go off on a wildlife watch of his grounds. Uh, I presume he lives in some sort of mansion or other. Maybe this was inspired by his run. I don't know. But but anyway, we got we got pictures from Michael Owen's wildlife watch. We got ducks or geese, birds, Michael Owen smiling, posing next to a ferret. All very nice, except that followers pointed out correctly that the ferret looked well pretty much dead and oh. uh, one asked if he'd bored it to death which uh, amused me greatly when I read the thread and that actually it wasn't a ferret a dead ferret was it actually a pole cat so Owen had to concede and say actually yes oh. I think it is a pole cat and uh yes it was dead um it was also pointed out to him that the cute little baby bird that he'd photographed at the bottom of a tree was probably more like a fledgling fallen from the nest with no chance of survival. So Mike's big wildlife watch was just pretty much full of dead or soon to be dead animals. Um, Within a couple of minutes of this being pointed out, he returned back to what he knows best and simply tweeted, congratulations to Holland Barnsley on getting promoted. Yes, move on, please, Michael, move on. Absolutely. I love that. Oh, God. Louis Saha is quite funny. He used to do a little hashtag tips and put down little hints and tips about, you know, nutrition and various things that he was up to in his life. He just posted a very random tip. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. He said, yesterday, my son and I said no TV when we eat dinner. It allowed us to have a really nice family vacation with good banter. <laughs> that was it. That was, that was his tip. Was he trying to rival boring James Milner on Twitter? Absolutely. This one is quite sweet as well. Blaise Matuidi wanted to post a picture uh, on his anniversary of of what's his wedding anniversary. And he tweeted in French and and wanted to put a picture of him and his wife. Um, And you know when you find a picture on your phone, you can sort of do like a bit of a screen grab. And then you can crop around it and make it look nice. Well, he'd forgotten to kind of crop around the edges and just just posted it as it was screen grabbed on his phone. So he had like, you know, the percent in the top, <laughs> the little Bluetooth thing on and how much sort of um, 3G or Wi-Fi connection he had. And what he also left was was the search bar of, of Google <laughs> that had Matumi Defem. So basically he Googled his wife to tweet a picture of him and his wife and just screen grabbed it. Oh my God, from Google. Yeah, to try so didn't and find have any on a photo. His phone. No, none. <laughs> oh a picture God. of, I mean, maybe he was just looking for a really lovely, glamorous picture of the two of them, which it was at a lovely black tie dinner, but it was very much, I mean, it, and it was one o'clock in the morning. But I, I also thought that was quite sweet because it was obviously his anniversary come the stroke of midnight and he wanted to get that in first and, and declare to the public how much he was in love with his wife. But unfortunately, Uh, not in love enough to have any pictures of the two of them on his phone. 
<laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> Can I offer up a non a non football example of something really embarrassing that happened that was posted on social media this week that I found on a thread that I just cannot stop laughing at? Go on. It was asking people for embarrassing situations they'd been in and there was this thread and it's doing the rounds. You might you might actually see it on some social site. But one girl, <laughs> this makes me laugh so much, said, I saw a girl carrying a hamster. So I asked if I could pet it, but it was actually a muffin. So I'm on my way to jump off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> a muffin. Oh my god! And I just can't yeah, get over it. it. I can't oh, get over gosh. someone being maybe on the tube. <laughs> oh I know god. that's non-football related, but it's, oh. it's it's really cheered me up all week. This okay. there's a thread. Um, I'll send it to both of you, but if people can find it, oh my gosh, it will cheer you up wow. no end. Absolutely oh. love that. Uh, Shall we round things off with a bit of any other business? into some any other business than the smaller stories or more underground things that have happened that you might not be fully aware of. Um, the only thing that I was going to chuck in for this one, ladies, was the fact that COVID is going to interrupt the restart of the Women's Super League as well. Yes. Big story this one, Chelsea mm. Tottenham's off, Man United West Ham. It looks like Everton as well uh, might be going next. So yeah, yeah the um, interruption because of COVID far from over. And it's going to destroy the big restart to the women's season as well, which is a shame, Lynn's. Yeah, I mean, don't bother asking me what I'm doing this weekend. Um, like you <laughs> usually no do. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I know that I'm not doing uh, Chelsea Spurs, like you say. That was the mm-hmm. latest one to to be cancelled. Um, I don't know what's happening on Sunday now. There may be a replacement match, oh, um, but yes, uh, I, I have no idea at this point in time. Um, but a, a positive thing on the women's front, and I did want to bring this up in any mm-hmm. other business because I, I felt like it was such an uplifting thing to see. And it was the pictures of Steph Horton back in training yes. for Manchester City. Oh, so yeah. England captain, been out for a long time with injury. Um, hopefully 2022 is going to be a year for Steph now to get back where she was. Mm, and my God, mm. does City need her at the moment? So yeah, she'll be mm. she'll be a welcome addition back to that team when she's fully fit and raring to go. Uh, Hayley, what have you got? Okay, I've got what has turned out to be quite a funny spoof little video, but it's sort of a little bit tragic at the same time, but at least he's got a sense of humour. It's Jack Wilshire appearing yes. in the Paddy Power advert. Have you seen yes. it? Where I had this everyone, too, actually, yeah. Yeah, everyone had wondered what had happened to Jack Wilshire. We had him on, on Sky Sports a little while ago, and he was sort of like, you know, I don't have a club at the base. Basically, if anyone wants me, I'm fit and I'm, I am available. My career's not over. I've not retired. He was released from Bournemouth in the summer. And he's, yeah, he, he, he mocks his old rivals Tottenham in this when he says, you know, um, he wouldn't entertain any offers from Tottenham, but he's basically a free agent. And it's it's quite a funny little video. And at least he's managed to, I guess, have a bit of a personality, which could, you know, not be said for a lot of footballers these days sorry yeah stereotype I, but he's managed I think to I take feel the, the same as you Hayley and that it's good mm. and it's funny it's done with Paddy Power but there's just a little bit of I'm still a little bit I wonder if you had to think hard about doing that because it's great to take the mickey out of yourself but it's still a bit tragic isn't it but anyway yeah uh, fair play to him I suppose he probably got paid some money for it which 
might be needed at the moment, don't know. Um, anyone else got anything else? It's FA Cup weekend, so I think we should have a notable mention for Rebecca Welsh. I know that we do these quite often, but the fact that we have to keep saying um, that something is a first, hopefully there'll be a day, Kate and Haley, where we don't have to announce it, but she is set to become mm-hmm. the first woman to officiate the third round of the Men's FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, all these things go. will keep happening, but we'll just remind people. Um, so yeah, Rebecca Welsh, hopefully she has a good game. Yeah, good luck to her. Uh, That's it for this week, by the way, everyone. We're back again next week. Um, Thank you for your feedback on the show. You can keep it coming in uh, and rate and subscribe us wherever you can, if that's okay. Uh, To get in touch with us, it's at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget the website too, offsiderulepodcast.com. Until we meet again, ladies, what, what, in fact, Lindsay, you you don't know where you are this weekend, do you? Because of all the hullabaloo with fixtures in the WSL. Hayley, you're, you're back to work, fighting fit, raring to go for 22. Yep. Although I've already taken my first day of annual leave, which is uh, Friday evening on the weekend, because I'm going to the ballet to see the Nutcracker at Sadler's Wells. Oh, oh love it. It. how very nice! Yeah. Very excited about that. Yeah, I'm going with. I'm going. There's an age range. I think I might be the youngest, <laughs> which says a lot about the age of the ladies I am going with, but in a nice way. And I think the oldest is she's late 80s. I'm going with. We're getting a minibus from our local pub. And I'm going with my neighbours. Oh, so there are ten of us. Yeah, my neighbours. Oh, I love my neighbor's that. Mother-in-law, a neighbour's um, sister-in-law, and a few of the ladies from up the road. So that'll be that'll be um, a lovely little night. Mm. And I'm sure we'll have a few transfer rumours as well, or maybe some done deals by the time we speak yeah. again next. Um, have a good weekend and a good week, whatever you're up to. If you're listening to this, and we'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Athletic.